Hello and welcome to The Bottom Line, Investing is Everywhere, a podcast looking into the world through a financial lens. On the podcast today, we have Damien Fernandez, Joe Zalincheri, and Marco Vidovich, who are going to give you a guaranteed prediction for the Super Bowl matchup between the Kansas City Chief and the San Francisco 49ers. No, we're not. It's not that type of podcast. We're actually going to take a look at the financial implications of all the events surrounding the big game. We're going to take a look at sort of what we call the Super Bowl effect or like the effect on the economy, on the surrounding community, maybe on the direct Las Vegas area. We're going to take a look at the Taylor Swift effect, which, you know, this is an end factor this year where, you know, uh, luckily, luckily enough, Taylor Swift is involved and we'll find out a little bit more how she's involved into the process and boosting a little bit to the NFL. And then finally, we're going to take a look at the commercialization of the halftime show and how it's really kind of boosting a lot of money out there. So first of all... Hey, Damien. Hey, Joe. How are you guys doing? Doing fantastic. Yeah. Hi, Marco. I'm super excited about this because Marco started off by saying predictions. And when I tell you, like, I figure it's three of us on this podcast. So if we pick, if each of us pick a, you know, one of the two teams, right? At least least one or two will be right. Well, clear the spread. We can all be wrong. Exactly. (laughs) Well, what's your pick? Wait, hold it, hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Let's, 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 let's wait that to the end. Let's kind of get through this. Stuff. And you know what? I, we're going to keep the listeners on and say, you know what? If you want our picks, you're going to have to wait to the end of the podcast to hear that. One thing I'm going to kick off with is I read this stat. So the amount of Americans are expected to spend on food, drinks, apparel, decorations, and other purchases for Super Bowl Sunday, according to the National Retail Federation, is $17.3 billion. So that's the U.S. as a whole. Now, we know that Las Vegas is going to see a, a boost to their economy. Like, what else can you tell me about the sort of the monetization of uh, of, of what, what's happening with the Super Bowl and this event in this February? So, Marco, the way I think about this, right, is that if you get selected to be a host city for the Super Bowl, you have automatically supercharged your GDP, not just for that weekend, for that month. Like, last year, I looked at this up, last year's Super Bowl in Arizona, it brought in $730 million in GDP just to the city. You talked about for the whole country being over $17 billion, but just the city alone from ticket sales, uh, you know, from uh, ticket sales, lodging, entertainment, uh, viewership, it is a phenomenal event. So just there's almost this like second order effects or in the economics term, right, externalities of the Super Bowl being truly, uh, truly beneficial for the city. And, and I was just joking. I was thinking about this and I looked this up. And uh, when you think about consumption, because ultimately we're viewing the sport, we're consuming food and drink along with that, 115 million people watched the Super Bowl last year. That was uh, one of the highest rated Super Bowls yeah. ever against KC and the Eagles, Kansas City and the Eagles. And I was thinking about this. If, if each of those people on average consumed eight wings, and I know my personal consumption of the Super Bowl is looking at like at least orders of at least a pound of wings. At least uh, that's being generous because I bought a podcast and I don't want to But if it's eight wings, we're looking close to a billion wings consumed. We're not even talking about like what's the average consumption in liters of beer. Anyway, th- that's my take on it, uh, Mark. Joe, what do you think? I honestly think the NFL has cracked the code on the pageantry of entertainment. You know, it, it is really, I've watched sports all my life across countries, geographies, regions, and the NFL is just engineered for excitement. It is absolutely an American thing. When you think about it, think of the Roman era when you have gladiators entering an arena 
the pageantry that goes with it, the elephants. And in the modern day, the NFL has recreated it. You have the flyover, you have the B-52 bombers jetting over, you have the fireworks, you have two tribal armies going at it in a warrior contest, and the entire world is gripped. Um, it's, un it's unreal. The commercialization of the sport, it is like... We, we, we get hung up with the 115 million number, right? But why is it important when most people will tell you that the FIFA World Cup, probably more than a billion people watched it. But the economics of the NFL is different. Like the last four years, I think the NFL took in something like $65 billion in TV revenue. And all of the football leagues did not come anywhere close to that combined. So... It, it is it is the pinnacle of entertainment and sports. So I was thinking about what you just said, and it, it just it, it never occurred to me. But every Super Bowl game, the president of the United States does attend, right? And this time around, it's Joe Biden will be in attendance. And I was thinking about you talk you you had the analogy to uh, the gladiators of the Roman times, and you know Caesar Augustus at the Colosseum, and, and it, it brought me back to this is it, it is. It, there is something like it's nostalgic entertainment at its heightened level that actually captivates the whole audience. Whether you're, you know, driving around this weekend or you're listening to the radio or you're thinking about stocking up your freezer, everything is collaced around this idea of what are we going to do on Sunday and how many people are going to watch and how much we're going to consume. It is, it is the pinnacle of sports. Well, that, 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 that's insane though, too, because what I read too is that the Super Bowl itself gets a 40 market share, which means that 40% of households in the U.S. tune into this game. Now, that that is bizarre. And I think what we took a look at last is that the Super Bowl only comes second. Like this, this past Super Bowl last year with uh, oh, in, in 2023, 20, um, it came second only to the moon landing in 1969. <laughs> oh, yeah. can, can you just kind of quantify like how many eyeballs are on the screen compared to, compared to that? So it, it's just unreal. Yeah, Marco, you're the data person on our podcast. What is what is like what is the cost now to have a commercial on? Funny you should ask that because I was actually taking a look at this, and I think it's going to be the same as 2023, but it's actually seven million dollars for what three second spot. Now, now, if you wanted to take a look at that, and I'm going to do this all in my head really, really quick, that's two hundred thirty-three thousand dollars per second. Still <laughs> watching the guy called Lizard crawl across the screen, just know that he's pay spending $233,000 per second to do that. Unreal. The fact that you just mentioned the Geico lizard means that they've done their job. Yeah. <laughs> $7 million well spent right there. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's the sport itself is designed for TV when you think about it. The two-minute warning, the TV timeouts, yes. uh, the suspense in between. These commercials have a lot more value. Like, a European soccer match, once the game starts, it's 45 minutes of nonstop action. There is no break. There is no commercial. The only commercials are between halftime when, frankly, most people end up discussing the game, their focus is away from the TV. If you're watching the Super Bowl or just any NFL Sunday, once I park myself on my couch, I'm not moving. I'm consuming every commercial. I remember the guy cool lizard. I remember the Bud Light movie at the commercials. Yeah. So, of course. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're, you're on to a point there. It's like 
I think they've figured it out with the NFL. Like uh, we, we were speaking off the podcast about compared to different uh, sports, like say European, the other football, soccer. Uh, looking at the sport of soccer, they, they don't really have that break unless you unless it gets to the half. Like there's a 45 second clock that just doesn't stop. That it goes into stoppage time. There's really no easy pl- spot to put to, to put in commercials. Now, honestly, the way the Super Bowl does it is that people are engaged because of the commercials because people yeah. just see what is the tentpole movie tapping yeah. from Hollywood in the in in, in in the summer. They say, you know what? This is the first time they're actually going to be able to see a 30 second spot or a trailer for that movie. Like I'm dating myself, but I remember um, working at a bar and everybody just being. It just their eyeballs on the screen waiting for Austin Powers 2, the spy who shagged me. And everybody just going insane nuts. I remember watching it and say, oh my God, that's amazing. I'm glad I'm taping the game. I can watch it when I get home. And it- well, there's two, there's two observations there, right? The first thing is that, uh, like, I'm glad, Marco, that, you know, you've, uh, you're no longer in, ser- in services anymore. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> Though I guess the podcast qualifies somewhat, but the second observation is that as we're filming this right now, and like we're 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 consuming this in Canada, yeah. and it's interesting how many people try and hack to get the U.S. things. Exactly, often people want to see the U.S. commercials, and like it's I mean, like this is not you know. I was so disappointed watching CTV commercials last year. I'm not gonna lie, they're, they're, I was so disappointed. It is. It's it's a it's a it's a pop culture moment now. Sometimes it even signifies a bubble, like Matt Damon with Crypto.com looking out into the future. Oh, I, oh, I know. <laughs> it was a Bitcoin, you know. <laughs> Tom Brady. Tom Brady was uh, the spokesperson for yeah, FTX. Yeah, exactly. Nice, <laughs> nice commercials. Nice. No, I was gonna even finish my story by saying that I was couldn't wait to go home because I taped the game and watch it. Only to find out that I only had the Canadian feed when I was at home and I couldn't see the commercial, right? So we were, we were in the world of, you know, uh, or the internet, you could find anything right away. Uh, you could go home, uh, or even in the morning, get the top 10 commercials of people, of, 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 of people watching, watching the show, but we, we couldn't get that. So I don't know. If, if it, that, that was a little bit more observation when you're talking about that, Marco, was something that I think, like, our podcast is about the economics of sports, right? The bottom line. And, and one of the things that is really clear is the, what are the very, uh, lucrative Americanization capitalist view of sports in North America compared to the rest of the world. When I think, when I say this, I think the top three sports in the world by viewership uh, in order are actually, uh, the football, the original football, not American football, cricket, and then basketball, and then obviously the NFL and so on. But the American sports have these very defined breaks. Within whether it's, you know, timeouts or whether it's commercial breaks or, or whereas both cricket and, uh, traditional football don't allow that. So, you know, I, I would, I would, I would say the cricket learned from NFL. So you, you, you started an interesting thread there, Damien, because, uh, with the NFL, with um, uh, soccer in Europe, it's actually pure free market competition in some way. You come last in the league. You're relegated. Exactly. You, you, you face a penalty. Premier League. You kick. You kicked out last two teams. Yeah. Kicked out. Yeah. Last three. You get relegated. So that naturally puts a cap on values. Versus the American system is a closed franchise system. There's only 32 leagues. So naturally, there's a cap. And secondly, 
it's interesting. Like politically, Europe is a lot more socialist than America, but structurally with the sports system, though, the American systems have a bit more of a socialist angle because there's parity. All the teams share TV revenue equally, which is incredible. And if you're first, you're penalized by having to pick last the draft to ensure competitive parity, which the Indian Premier League copied really effectively, and they've actually understood that concept of a close franchise system. Well, Fiends has the rights too. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it, it's like sports steps figure monetization. Yeah, that's why. That's why. That's why these farms, these these teams, go for five billion dollars. Well, well, I, I think you know, you know, and we're talking about getting back to football. The the glamour and the excitement around football is what is built around this democrat democratization of the league, right? Because the term "any given Sunday," you're right? It 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 comes from that. It, like it, it it doesn't matter if you're at the bottom; you have a chance to win. And there's something truly unique and meritocratic about that in the American system that is valued. Like any given Sunday, it isn't. The best team, the Super Bowl favorite, doesn't always win. So, well, yeah, the Super Bowl loses. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's back to what the American dream, like yeah. being able to, you know, live and buy that home with a white picket fence, right? It is the American dream, and here the underdog story of you know what, making it to the big game. All I have to do is make it to the big game, and then it's any given Sunday. Yeah. Well, I, I hope there are no Detroit fans uh, listening to uh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. All right, we're going to move to the next uh, topic. But before I do that, I'm going to throw up some more numbers because, again, it is the bottom line. So uh, the Hunt family, worth $24.8 billion, is looking to repeat as Super Bowl champions with the Kansas City Chiefs, while the DeBartolo York clan versus worth $9 billion is vying for a record-styling sixth title with the San Francisco 49ers. Now, again, monetization, it's... Like, it's, it's unreal how much these uh, these these owners, these families are worth. It, it's yeah, it is. They get five hundred million guaranteed TV money every year. It's a brilliant business model. Amazing. So let's let's go to jump into the next topic: the Taylor Swift effect. Now, what does Taylor Swift have to do with the NFL and the Super Bowl this year? Well, uh, I do know this: like the NFL, uh, and there's been a few articles about this. Female viewership for regular seasons games. In the, and it's just not for Kansas City games. It's because the NFL has monetized this relationship without paying a dime. It is, or maybe they... I think they wrote a script. I think someone wrote a script. This. <laughs> so it, it, it's interesting, right? Because obviously, uh, for, for those like... NFL skews very uh, uh, male viewership dominated on Sunday. But as soon as t- this, the Taylor and uh, uh, Kelsey romance started bubbling, you started seeing much more engagement from uh, females watching it. And right now, the NFL is tracking at the highest level. Since they've been tracking the data since 2010, the highest level of female viewership ever. And you got like, w- w- even if it's a 90% drop off, if Travis Kelsey it's Taylor, yeah, right. So, um, but it's still 10% more than they previously had of people who watch this ad- entertainment, right? Who watch ad- NFL games and say, you know what? This is I can I can sit in. So the NFL is actually thinking about this from in economic terms. It has completely broadened the pie of yeah. customers, right? Before the ads, the ads skewed uh, particularly to like you know male dominated themes. Like that has to open up. It will be much more broader. This is this is great. First of all, just from societal aspect of it, you know introducing new customers and becoming uh, becoming more uh, even headed. But I, I do think the NFL has uh, it, it got given a gift. 
You know, every owner should be thanking Fannis Kelsey right now. Like, she's just sending, sliding, thank you, my man. Yeah. No, 100%. I want to throw, throw some data here to, uh, to, to, to kind of uh, build on what uh, Damien was saying. So according to a report from MarketWatch, Swift's impact on female viewership is 53% increase among those aged 12 to 17. Wow. A 34% rise in those over 35 and 24% in those in the 18 to 24 demographic. Now, that's crazy. And also, the viewership for all NFL games jumped 7% this season, as Nielsen reported. A key part of that increase, viewership among those, that 12 to 17 range. So that, that, that was the effect. And I think, you know, uh, Taylor Swift and her era's tour and the impact and her uh, romance with Kelsey, that definitely played a factor. You, you, the NFL couldn't have scripted this any better. Yeah. We yeah. have, we have the combination of, of sports taking place in, you know, one of the most, uh, one of the, a city known for entertainment again, yes, and Vegas. Like, and you have the, uh, the icon of our era, right? The era store, like the, I uh, like the, right. the time person of the year who is, who's most probably attending the game. And you have two, actually, like we haven't even talked about the product on the field. You have two, in my mind, two of the best teams going head to head this Sunday. To compete in what it, it is, it, it does. You know, Joe. I was thinking about what you said. It has this almost very coliseum like. Um, is it? I I completely agree, and it, it's like America's sweetheart potentially with the Super Bowl MVP. This is like if you had, if, 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 you, had, if you had American royalty, that's like Prince Charming, and it's yeah. like you know Princess uh, Tay Tay up there. It it is really like you said. This is the culmination of just I think. We used to classify pop stars as something else, athletes as something else. This they're in two different buckets. Yeah, yeah, but they're all basically one bucket. They're entertainers. Oh. You know, they all understand their brand. They all understand their value, their clout, and they're actively involved now in monetizing that clout. From private equity, like you know Kim Kardashian becoming a private equity investor, it, 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 it's incredible. Yeah, I, I, I can tell you this. I, uh, for those uh, listening in, uh, you know, I, I'm a Bills fan. And, you know, watching Kansas uh, sad, Sorry, tra- sadly, tragically <laughs> beat the Bills. Each time Kelsey caught the ball or had a play in that game, they, they didn't even pad to Kelsey. They immediately pad to Taylor Swift. And she was wearing a Kansas, you know, a Kansas City jersey. Obviously. Yeah. Sure, obviously. And a pretty sure sales. Each time they pad to her, at the entertainment, the franchise value of KC has gone up by just her being at the game. Yeah, and, and I just want to build on that. So uh, the two past top viewer viewed uh, Super Bowls are this past one, 2023, and also 2015, and they had 114 million views, right? Uh, so it's a good. That's actually the, the, the yeah the, the views of the sh- of the show. However. I think the Taylor Swift effect had a positive a positive effect on the AFC Championship Series. So when Casey upset the Ravens, it was the highest viewed AFC Championship or a championship game ever at 55 million views. So it's there for the big game, but now it's also there for you know the, the journey, the story, all the way there. So speaking of yeah. you know the speaking of gambling and betting, uh, I would take the over on viewership uh, of this the Super Bowl. Yeah, you it's know, break. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I, I almost feel like we have to do a podcast uh, just to catch up with it today. You know, like this is this is what it was and this is what it's turning into now, right? So Actually, talking about gambling, I checked on FanDuel the online odds for Travis Kelsey proposing to Taylor <laughs> Swift plus eight twenty eight point two to one. So eight. Wow. 
You know, I, I would take the under on that. I think I read something saying the only ring he's worried about is the Super Bowl ring. And I think <laughs> it would be it would be a little bit too cliche and cheesy for that. Like, I don't think uh, Taylor would appreciate that, right? That would be very, very <laughs> cheesy. You know, I mentioned that. So we're talking about pop stars now. And I think for our last uh, conversation here on the topic, too, is um, I guess the commercialization of the game and more effectively, the commercialization of the halftime show. So it's actually been a like a launching pad for pop stars, whether it's currently trending pop stars like I think we saw and I forget what year it was, but it was Bruno Mars uh, performing after, after having two successful studio albums. You know, like, you know, that effective pushing up his career to actually going back and connecting with older stars. Like we had, um, Tom Petty, you know, after the said and done. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, I had all the But this was an amazing stat that I read with U2. So U2 did the halftime show and within a week of the end of the Super Bowl, three of their albums doubled in sales. So yeah. that's, that's an effective way of doing that. And what's really, really interesting, and I think, this is probably a stat that everybody pretty much is getting to know is that these artists get paid zilch for the halftime show. They get paid nothing. Now, the cost for production and putting on the show is a little bit nebulous because I think the NFL say they pick up the cost there. But I've heard other things like when The Weeknd did that great sort of uh, like a maze thing, like he he popped in a lot of his own money there. And other and other acts, they actually contributed as well. So I really don't think it's that much from the NFL, but I think these um, these pop stars see it as a way to pump up their name, whether becoming more relevant again or, you know, really kind of building uh, their reputation. Well, well, you talked about too, right? Just you, you talked about The weekend, and I remember this vividly when The weekend, or even when, when – uh, uh, Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars was uh, more broadly well known, but The Weeknd uh, catered to a particular genre, right? Of uh, you know R and right. hip hop. But he, The Weeknd went mainstream. The, the sales, the sales after, and people listening to that halftime show is like, oh, I, I, I understand this. That he's and the actual. So there is a branding. First of all, there's a prestige to be invited, right? To, to actually present for 115 million people. So there, there's an automatic, like, you know, uh, branding effect that takes place there. But there's also market to what you said, right? There is either the rejuvenation of a brand. It's like Springsteen, hey, don't forget about me, right? Like the boss, and I'm still iconic, and, and you know, my old ticket sales go up. And secondly, there's also the, uh, you know, the New York brands. I think this year we have Usher, and I was just reading up about this. It's 20 years. Usher's biggest album was 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. yeah. And confession. If, uh, you know, for those that I'm dating myself, right. right? And, <laughs> and, and so Usher gets to commemorate his 20 year anniversary of his greatest album with performing at the Super Bowl. So that's, you, you got to believe. <laughs> this is exactly what Marco said. You know, rejuvenate your career. You've been out of the limelight, slowly dipping away. And yeah. what better thing to do? And, and it's like, this, the, the halftime, like I've been to Super Bowl parties where there's a certain bunch of, uh, there's a certain percent of folks who are only there for the halftime show. Yeah, of course. Yeah, they're 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 chit chatting, you know, uh, having the amuse bouche, you know, having the <laughs> the wings, the pizzas. But the eyeballs are actually just there during halftime, and the rest of the time, you know, it it, it is what it it's is. Social events, yeah, yeah, it's a social event. It, it's I I I when 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 I sometimes think of the Super Bowl at uh, halftime show, the most legendary not legendary I guess the most controversial one was of course the Justin Timberlake. Yeah, of course. Which is like 
that was such a global incident that I remember growing up, at least at that time, that made the headlines over there, you know? Hey, right. Well, isn't Timberlake, I'm surprised Timberlake didn't use this opportunity to, because isn't he coming out with a new album this year? Oh, yeah, you were talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's actually been on, he's been on the show since. So, um, like, again, uh, no love lost, but uh, you know what? In, in a little bit, like, like I know you're objectifying uh, Janet Jackson there, but I think secretly, you know, they really, really liked it. Yeah, they, it her, her, her hilarity and her sales and her of previous albums, like, that, that is the point of being at that. Well, Mark, you raised a really interesting point. You do not, as an artist, you do not get paid to participate. You're invited to perform. Like Taylor Swift, if you can say no, because she was busy with the Eras tour, but you're invited to perform. And if you accept, you have automatic branding and cash day. Of course. And that, that, it's, it's, it's no, it's no sweat because you, like that too, like the city, very similar to the city that the Super Bowl is held in, right? You participate in these externalities of positive inflows, of positive, you know, GDP growth. For an, for an artist, if you sell out a stadium, you have 80,000 people looking at you, yeah, 100,000, right. whatever it is. There is very, there are, I, I don't know what avenues are there, but it's basically these events that globally wo- are watched. Let's say the Olympics, the launch of the Olympics, the FIFA World Cup final, the 15 minutes before that, the Super Bowl halftime show, where you have 100 million people plus just glued onto what you're doing. I, I, I think like for an artist... You should just jump on that opportunity free of cost. Oh, oh, that, that, definitely. So, what's interesting is that they, I guess the, they get the, mar- the the brilliant marketers at the NFL did realize that there was an opportunity uh, to make this an extravaganza. So, I, th- I think they, they, if you, I read back, and in 1991, it was marching bands, uh, Ryan Boitano, <laughs> um, and it was just like, yeah, you know, it's something there for the people in the stadium. And then they thought they're like. You know what? How about in 92, we get the king of pop, Michael Jackson, and give him all the opportunity with the show and say, you know what? You've performed in stadiums before, but have you performed in a stadium that's also getting broadcast to people all over the world? And in 1992, the halftime show was bored because they just tried to the ante every single year. Right. So that, that, that was interesting about that. Um, the last thing I want to really say about this is a topic is that you did mention Rihanna. So Rihanna did the show last year, but she turned it down. I believe it was in t- 2019 because of the whole, uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, taking the knee, you know, as a way, as a way of, you know, your protest. Exactly. I know it was a way of protest. However, she did do the show in 2023. And what I found was marketing genius was. Uh, a very pregnant uh, Rihanna walking walking down the aisle and also applying um and I'm and I'm gonna refer, forgive me to the female listeners out there but it was like a concealer or a, a balance protector or anything to her and all of a sudden uh sales of her Fenty uh yeah. band went went up astronomically so I think she understood the marketing of this and that was in a nutshell that was the best way of saying that this was a marketing or commercialization of 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 uh, of the halftime show. There's no other sport that can do this because the NBA Finals best of seven. You would get sick of seven halftime shows if if it was every two days. Same with hockey. Same with baseball. Exactly. Well, I'm done. Right. It, well, you know what? When I think about just and and this is you know we're, we're talking about just uh, uh, the actual profitability and economics of sports. And I looked this up, and, and uh, the day job is obviously, as you two know, is investing and investing in yeah. you know companies that compound and grow. And just to you know put some put some 
uh, closure around this. Ticket prices right now for the Super Bowl in Vegas, the average price is about 10K. Right. That's not so much if, uh, and it's uh, the minimum prices are, I think, like 8 10K US. Yeah, so so I, I actually have stats on this, and I, I think this is out of, because again, you get the, the scalpers involved. But the cheapest ticket in the stadium is a 400 level for $6,839. The, the closer you get to the action, like I'd say it's 10K a ticket, you're right. Exactly. And, and but when the Super Bowl first started in LA, uh, you know, close to 60 years ago, the ticket price was $6. <laughs> so just, you know, Marco was doing the simple, Marco was doing the math here, but we talk about compounding of returns, right? Just that idea that the first ticket was six and now the ticket is, you know, in Marco's worst case scenario is 6,000. Yeah. That's a thousand X. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but machine, go back and buy an NFL team, Damien. If there are any coming up in, in the public market, we'll take a look at it. So, we'll take a look at it. Yeah, definitely. But this talent of the time machine. Dating up again, right? <laughs> so, you know, honestly, I think that's going to be all the time we have on the podcast today. But I do say, I did say that we would actually take a look at making some predictions. So, so we're recording this before the Super Bowl. You might hear this before the Super Bowl Bowl or after the Super Bowl. But you're going to hear our predictions right now. So um, I just I just took a look at the at the line right now. So it's Niners versus Chiefs. The spread is San Francisco at minus two. It's a tight spread. That's a pick-up. Yeah. So yeah, Over-under is 47 and a half points. So I'm actually going to give it to Joe's first. Joe's, make your pick under and who's going to win the game. Uh, it's over. I think it's going to be 31-27 Chiefs. I just... I have spent the last five years hoping against Mahomes, but he, he Mahomes, but he is uh, he is the eraser. He erases all problems. He's the boogeyman in the fourth quarter, unless the uh, Niners defensive line does what uh, Tampa Bay did to KC a few years back. Um, I see the Chiefs pulling through, even though my heart wants the Niners to win. Okay, so that's a, that's an over on the on the, on the betting line. Okay, yeah, interesting. Damien, over to you. Uh, look, uh, just watching, uh, I, I'm almost with Joe's, except I'll take the under. And I'll take the under because I'm actually wa- like just watching the Chiefs. The Chiefs are uh, Mahomes. You know, the, he epitomizes the drive and the heroics at the last end. The Chiefs this year have, have had amazing defense. And and, I, and when he, I think you actually have the two best teams on defense on this. And while you have really, really capable quarterbacks, the best one in the league right now in Mahomes, uh, I, I think 47 is a big number. And you know, when you look historically at games, like I think it's going to be a tight game. I think the you know the the spread is probably right, but I'll take the under. If I'm going to pick the winning team, uh, look, I, I mentioned the Chiefs beat the Bills to get to this point. So uh, you want a boost to the winner? <laughs> out of pride, you have to say it because you have to believe that if the Bills were here, they would win. So I have to think that that beat the Bills. So I'll go the Chiefs and I'll go on the under. You sound like a tortured fan, Damien. And you, okay, so this is I'm not good. You're, you're a pick, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the worst. I'm the worst at actually making picks and making selections and making predictions. But I feel like I have to do like a knee-jerk reaction. And just what came to me right now is that I pick, I, I'm a romantic at heart. So I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win. I'm going to pull that Kelsey. I'm going to pull Kelsey to win. But I have a score of, I, I, I think I agree with Damien a little bit on this one, but I think it's going to be 24-17. So I think it's going to be I think a couple of others. I think I think that I think the I think the defense is really gonna kind of uh, stick it to them. But uh, yeah, no, that's interesting. So we have three picks. Um, but we didn't say picks for the win. 
Yeah, which yeah. Means, and this is being fil- This is being recorded before the game, right? Which means that could, like there's a high probability of egg on our face, either omelet or egg on our face. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you know what? Maybe if the Niners win, nobody ends up listening to this podcast. So I hope that's not true. But uh, but again, yeah. we could have some love. Come on, party. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Anyways, uh, anyways, everybody, thank you. Thanks for listening. Uh, please let us know what you think about our first episode. Uh, what you'd like to see in future episodes. Like, follow us. Tell us, tell tell your friends. Rate us five stars if you think we've earned it. Now, thank you so much, Damien. Thank you so much, Joes. Thank you, Marco. Thank you, Damien. This was amazing. Talk to everybody soon.